Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on TAP, we have Spider-Man Far From Home starring Tom Holland, Jake Gyllenhaal, Samuel Jackson, John Favreau, Zendaya, directed by John Watts. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. Today we are going to be having another small batch film review. We did this uh, previously with Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Not building a whole cast around this film, but we thought Spider-Man Far From Home warranted some discussion. You know, it's been a while since we had a pretty big, you know, summer entry. It might have been what we thought Godzilla and Aladdin maybe around those weeks. So, yeah, we're right back at it and this is actually the third Spider-Man film we're talking about. It's that's pretty crazy. And it's crazy that with the superheroes that we've had to do and had not to do that he's made the list three times, but this is an important film, not just because it's contemporary, but because this is the first post Thanos look at Marvel. Mm-hmm. So this closes out phase three of Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they say. Yeah. So they say. Yeah. Uh, I think Foggy came out this last week and said that that was the case. Mm-hmm. So I was really curious as much about this film regarding what it looks like going forward. And I'll just be frank, you essentially get no answers. <laughs> exactly. But, we'll, but that doesn't, that's not necessarily a statement on the film. I'm saying if you were looking for this movie for some sort of direction, you will not find it in this. Matter of fact, you might even come back with less direction than you had going forward because there's some interesting Nick Fury stuff going on. And actually today, too, I can't believe this. This is actually episode number 25. Like, wow. We really, it's it's gone like that. But, man, it's been a fun journey. We've seen a lot of really fun films in the theaters, talking about some old hits uh, that we've loved down the road. So I hope the journey's been uh, just as good for for the listeners as it has been for Matt and I. The progression continues week by week, and as this continues to evolve, Mm -hmm. you rolled out a new logo this week. Yes, exactly, yeah. So we would really like feedback on that. Mm -hmm. We just wanted something that was a little bit more... Minimalist. Minimalist, but yet drew your attention a bit more on the homepage. Sure, Because it is a competition about other podcasts, let's be honest about it. Yeah. And I got to give Jesse credit here. That design's all him. So excellent, excellent. Weigh in on that. Let us know what you guys think. We, uh, we're pretty happy with it, but that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's set in stone. Sweet. So uh, we're going to be having some 1792 today, single barrel. Uh, we've had this one before. And if I'm not mistaken, we drank this with one of the former <laughs> Spider-Man Yeah, exactly. Too. I think so, yeah. yeah. Why don't you go ahead and pour us some, Matt? And Done. I'm actually going to read some viewer feedback from the week. Okay. We had a pretty good response to our uh, question about a TV show, uh, films that would make a good television show. And here we go. Our, our fans, Nate and Brett, added it again. Nate actually didn't have uh, an entry per se, but rather really agreed with you at the Sons of Katie Elder. And really prefers, you know, if a Western show is going to be done, kind of seeing it done in the vein of those type of Westerns versus a Deadwood type, sort of like Hell on Wheels. Um, and I agree. There's some. There's a fun classic aesthetic of, of the old west, and you know, films or shows like Gunsmoke and The Rifleman and Bonanza, to to say the least. So yeah, he really wanted to just kind of point out, you know, you know, what he looked up to in those westerns. You know, kind of they were shown. His dad showed them to him. Oh, so nice. it's a great entry, Nate. And then Brett, you know, went along with. Um, Possibly Zombieland as a TV series. We're actually getting a sequel to that um, here at the end of the year. But also Suicide Squad. 
and he says the DC television universe has been incredibly successful, Flash, Arrow, etc. So adding the characters and plots of Suicide Squad to that universe would be great, not to mention that the comic-based series tend to allow endless episode ideas. I could not agree more. It was, it was such a shit show on film. It pro- that idea would probably be best suited for television. Speaking of shit shows on film, <laughs> before we get into this week's flight and nightcap, I, we, we went to the theater yesterday. Okay. I got to tell you. Yeah. I have a contender in the clubhouse okay. to challenge Serenity. Okay. It's fucking book smart. Mm. So let me put it to you this way. If Diablo Cody wasn't smart and stole every stunt from every coming-of-age teen movie that had been done and then gave it to Olivia Wilde, first time out of the box directing, probably to save money, cast her boyfriend in the role of the principal that mostly doesn't matter, and then literally typecast Mm -hmm. super bad Mm -hmm. with two female versions of the main characters in that movie Mm -hmm. that basically just walk around dropping F-bomb after F-bomb. So... And let me just preface all that by saying, I hated Juno too, so I'm not even giving Diablo Cody any love. Yeah. That movie was trash. Mm. That's why. why. Why would you go see that? Like, it's <laughs> not in your wheelhouse, like, at all. <laughs> not at all. Raunch comedy isn't always my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife wanted to see it, mm-hmm. and I'll give you the truth here. Yeah. You know, you know that I'm one to walk out of movies and go get a refund. There you go. Yeah. We saw it at the dollar theater. Oh, okay. And I just felt like walking out of the dollar theater and asking for a refund is on such a level of cheap that (laughs) I couldn't do it. It's a new low. (laughs) So I grounded out. Oh man. Dude. Trooper. It was the, I'm you serenity was dog shit. Yeah. (laughs) This is worse. Okay. I'll have to check this one out. Oh yeah. You might want to just sit down and watch it just because you can't believe how contrived this movie is. What they've ripped off. Oh, it's atrocious. You should have went to go see yesterday. Well, we're going to go see that today. Actually. Excellent. There's such a, here's another thing too. That's not about the gags or, uh, the, the bad jokes in that film or the, the set pieces that they rip off. There is a river of discontent. I might even say bordering on malevolent hatred mm. towards everything in that film mm. that is so ugly mm. and harsh it washes away all attempts at what might be clever humor like let's say super bad or yeah. the best that's ever been done in mother's my opinion which is the hangover. Yeah. It it's really off-putting. You uh, can feel the anger and the writers and the way that's directed it reeks of like wokeness and some angry petulant contrived just fucked up way Mm. you have to see this film okay because it is epically awful okay (laughs) excellent i'll add that to my to my cue oh no me i like to book smart let's raise up to book smart because it actually maybe don't raise it fuck that yeah so here's the reverse cheer (laughs) yeah okay unclink and then here's to 25 episodes there you go (laughs) cheers to that and cheers cheers to to the listeners cheers to you all excellent Mm-hmm. I love that 1792 dude this is good stuff man I also want to shout out uh, Jonathan P as well he also had a response to this with um, a film I kind of forgot about and I actually liked it when it came out was Looper Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis that that idea that time travel hitman-ish uh, concept I think that you could play with that on television too that, that, that's another really great idea and then I just want to shout out uh, my friend Rachel who texted me later this week and was Browsing the Facebook and came across something about Jaws 
and she got really excited and then it was it was an ad for another website but she was excited because she thought it was our new episode but realized it was Wednesday and not Saturday so <laughs> she says I look forward to it every week so thank you for all all that feedback and for the participation answering the questions we love engaging with all of that so thank you yeah thanks everybody so Matt uh, you are, are the the cook of the flight and nightcap questions this week so why don't you start it off well, with the Spider-Man um, movie, we kind of sort of build each of those around, you know, a light kind of theme. And we're all about themes here. Mm-hmm. So we decided this week to take a look at the best or your favorite mm-hmm. three rogues galleries in Comicton. For superheroes. For superheroes. So okay. the ro- like so we took Spider-Man's rogues off the mm-hmm. table. On a lot of lists, that's number one, and that's picking pretty low-hanging fruit yeah. to do rogue gallery from a movie that just had one of the rogues in it. Sure, sure. And we'll get to that a little bit in the nightcap. Mm-hmm. So number three on this list of your favorite rogues is what, Jesse? Number and three. This is in total. This is gallery in total. Exactly. Number three for me is actually Daredevil. Beautiful. And when I kind of, I was like, ah, Daredevil's got some lame villains and they're like stilt man and some garbage. But I was like, you know what? He's got some good stuff like the Kingpin, Bullseye, Electra. The owl was lame at first, but then they turned him into something pretty cool. Yeah. The Hand. Uh, he was the original fighter of Kilgrave, the Purple Man, too. Punisher, if you want to go there, too. Mm-hmm, the Punisher, Typhoid Mary. Yeah. And it's all kind of within, it's contained within that Hell's Kitchen kind of atmosphere, which I think makes it a little more street heavy. Which is, it fits Daredevil so well. What you just said is gospel for me this week. Mm-hmm. And that's a scope of villains that fits the magnitude of the hero. Well, Daredevil, even at a time, he even fought Mysterio like right. in the comics. Well, to that, mm-hmm. you just mentioned my favorite Mysterio story. Okay, It's called Guardian Devil. It was the reboot of Daredevil, issued by Kevin Smith. And we'll have some pretty cool pictures for this this week on... Uh, Instagram and on Facebook. It's going to be badass. But that's not even a Spider-Man story proper, but Kevin Smith revitalizing pretty dead mm-hmm. comic hero icon, at you, if you will, at yeah. that point. Uh, so yeah, I, yes, even fought Daredevil. Awesome. awesome. What about so you? So number three for me is The Flash. Okay. Again, back to that idea of scope and sort of the street level necessity that The Flash needs to take on. Mm-hmm. If you go... From Captain Cold to Grodd. And I know he's been shared in other parts, but he yeah, yeah. is a Flash villain. Yeah. And then you go with Mirror Master and the Trickster. And, um, you know, we could Weather Wizard. We can... Reverse Flash. Well, you know, Professor Hunter Zolomon, whichever mm-hmm. way you want to go with that. There's no shortage of terrific opportunities yeah. for the Flash to fight there. And here's what I really like about each one of them. Mm-hmm. They all attack him in a completely different way. Some are mutated, some it's genetics, some it's with the same powers that the Flash has, Mm -hmm. some it's the brain. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can have a rogues gallery that's well-rounded in lots of different elements of conflict or attack for the protagonist, then you have something really good. Yeah, and I think in especially in the Flash television show on the CW, I think they portrayed them all very well. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good one. You might not think the Flash is having like a great rogues, but they're in there. They even essentially have... A core six that kind of make up the sinister six in that. Mm-hmm. With if you use, you know, and it's always Heat Wave and Captain Cold sort of leading those two things. Mm-hmm. 
But if you think about that, okay, Captain Cold seems kind of ridiculous. This guy that shoots this gun that might freeze the Flash. <laughs> but what's better than slowing down speed yeah. with cold? It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, okay, that's number three. How that's awesome. Two for you. Yeah, number two... Um... No, there's like some fairly obvious, you know, like you know, even Superman has a pretty decent rogues gallery as as much as it can be ridiculous at that times. That makes up like as a terror, man. Watch yeah, out. Exactly. So, but for number two, and again, just kind of researching, I was like, you know what? He does have a good rogues gallery. And number two, I'm actually going Captain America. Yeah. Uh, Armin Zola, Red Skull, Hydra, Zemo, the Serpent Society, uh, the Winter Soldier, uh, Sin, Red Skull's uh, daughter. I mean, we, we could go on and on with him. But, yeah, I think he's got a fairly underrated one, too. And he's got, you know, a couple organizations in there, you know, Hydra and Serpent Society. And those encapsulate quite a bit. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cap for for number two. I think the Red Skull steals a lot of his thunder because it's the antithesis Mm -hmm. of Captain America. But every one of these heroes has their quintessential opposite. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, the patriotic elements of Captain America and the Red Skull, that sort of flies in the face of what he stands for. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and that we can go on down the line from every Joker to the Batman, every Norman Osborn and the fatherhood to Spider-Man. We can go on with every single one of them. Yeah. And I feel like because it's so heavy with those two and it's something that everybody should relate to, mm-hmm. anti-Nazism, yeah. he kind of steals the thunder. But you're right. He mm-hmm. does have a terrific rogues gallery. I yeah. would even add uh, Baron Zemo in that. Mm-hmm. And you could even add for sort of the silly street level kind of wrecking crew fodder, like even Batroc. Yeah. Who's French, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, brilliantly played by George St. Pierre, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all his villains, too, were actually portrayed fairly well in the films as well. You could make the case they might be the best in total. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, that's my number two. Good. Number number two for me is the Fantastic Four. Oh, man. I flirted with that one. It's good, isn't it? It is good. When you, br- when you break it down, you might just think Doom, but break it down, Matt. What else is in there? Annihilus, mm-hmm. Galactus, The Scrolls, mm-hmm. The Frightful Four, Diablo, Puppet Master, the Mad Thinker, the Red Ghost, the Mole Man, Terax, um, Ego, mm-hmm. uh, Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. All introduced first with the Fantastic Four. And I specifically left out Doom because you just mentioned him. Mm-hmm. What that creates is a cosmic threat, an Earth level threat, an opposite team that's essentially the same thing that at times has included Hydro Man, which ties back into the Frightful Four, ties back into Spider Man mm-hmm. from this episode. Yep. There's no shortage of bad guys there. And what I think that that offers the readers of the Fantastic Four, and this was Stanley's first episodic attempt at comics, by the way, was the Fantastic Four. Yep. You get a really interesting look at the family dynamic as it plays out versus the bad guys time and time again. Like just, let's say Namor. I didn't include that in the list of baddies, but let's go ahead and go Namor too. The dynamic between Reed and Namor and Susan and Namor yeah. is one of the best triangles mm-hmm. in all of comics. Yeah. And it creates a level of villainy that not only is challenging to Earth and its inhabitants, but challenging to their domestic world as well. Because mm-hmm. Sue's kind of got it for Namor. Mm-hmm. And Sue's, I got love, it. Sue's got it for the fish man. You know what I mean? <laughs> And you kind of can't blame her when you get right down to it. Yeah. Reed's always off in the lab, and Namor's like, let's go for a swim, baby. <laughs> exactly. With my feet with wings on them. A swim fly. Nice. All right. Yep. Number one. What do you got? All right, excellent. I don't think there's there's any surprise here. I had to pick this as number one, but it's it's Batman. No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
But seriously, when you break it down, like, what the hell's in here? I mean, any superhero would want to have a fourth of what Batman has. Like, (laughs) Green Lantern's like, give me some of that. But the Joker, Two-Face, Catwoman, Penguin, the Riddler, Mr. Freeze, Killer Croc, Clayface, uh, 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 Hugo Strange, Bane. uh, (laughs) I gotta keep going on. I didn't even mention the ones they invented for the television. So, like, Bookworm and King Tut. Well, and Harley Quinn yeah. was a television creation. Yeah, that was from the cartoon. Yeah, yeah so so many great creations. And I think they all fight Batman in different ways. Yeah. Psychologically, brute strength, with the mind, Hitman, Deathstroke. How did we forget Deathstroke? Scarecrow. Scarecrow, a Black Mask. Yeah. Like, shit. A poison Ivy. Like, there's any... Uh, there's Femme Fatales in there. There's... There's brute hitters. There's and then the Joker's, of course, the arch nemesis. Yeah, it's just there's there's so much history there, and I think all the creators involved uh, since since the since the beginning have really tacked onto the legacy of uh, of Batman's villains. Just real quick side note: I thought in uh, Lego Batman at the beginning, uh, they did a pretty funny job of introducing a lot of those villains that are somewhere like Condiment King and Gentleman Ghost. Like, and they're all real. They're like, they're all real. And that's the funny part. So there's even some ridiculous ones in there, but hell, like <laughs> Cyborg's like, give me one of those. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of those guys would kill for one of them. One of them. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make an admission to you. Okay. That's definitely in my list too. Yeah. But I wanted to sort of expand mm-hmm. the conversation a little mm-hmm. bit. And so we purposely left Spider-Man off the list, and I also purposely left Spider-Man Batman probably off would the have list. been in my top three too. Uh, sure, yeah. But again, just to sort of create a discussion and maybe introduce people to stuff that they mm-hmm. hadn't considered. Yeah. And I think the Fantastic Four and Captain America <clears throat> are two really good ways to do that. Yeah. Okay, my number one is the X-Men. Mm, nice. Look, for everything that the X-Men are, there's an equal opposite X-Men team that's the Brotherhood, and that's just where it starts. Mm-hmm. Every single villain in the Marvel Universe that I've mentioned has at some point squared off against the X-Men too, and they do share villains. Yep. But we also get the mutated ability, whether it's the medical attempts to fix that with the Mr. Sinister, mm-hmm. or whether it's we get like the offspring or Brotherhood, like Sabretooth. Yep. Or sort of the cosmic element, which would be the juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no shortage. I actually don't know of a bad X-Men villain. I'm, I'm sure there are I'm some. I'm sure we could think like of I, one. You might give me Omega Red, and I might say, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe. Even the Morlocks, mm-hmm. as far as a <laughs> the total. Mor- well, the as Morlocks. a total, yeah, yeah, yeah. for what they represent and how that story sort of came to be I with Gambit about, and his I choices. I forgot about them, yeah. Like, on the surface, you're like, I don't know about that. Sort of these sewer urchins but <laughs> when you get down to it that's one of the better stories and i didn't even mention yeah probably because the movie was so bad yeah phoenix yep. and the hellfire club phoenix hellfire club oh william striker yeah. uh, apocalypse proteus yeah magneto yeah you could just go on and on with the with the x-men baddies um they're expertly i think uh some of them have been shown very well in the films uh, Magneto uh, uh, specifically. Well, even Cable and Bishop, who are team member propers at times, have come yeah. in, back with ill yeah. intent. But you know where they're shown, I think, really proficiently. All of them, the Morlocks and all, is in the that animated series. Oh, it's so great. They do it? they do it all. They yeah. do the whole gambit of everything. What I loved about that series too is I think what's our five seasons mm-hmm. is each season had a theme, an arc. Yeah, and we've talked about that, like the X Files. Which is, here's the overall story, and yeah. here's some standalone pieces inside it. I mean, we didn't even get into Mystique. Yep. And there's, 
in that rogues gallery, everything mm-hmm. is covered. And if you can take someone who's mutated, there's a buy into that because the mutated abilities of them sort of creates an underdog like feel mm-hmm. that you're an outcast. And I think that's I think that's what they why the X Men have always been unique because even though they're villains and they're doing villainy things, they're still they're they're doing the best they can with what they're trying to accomplish, which is just like non-persecution of like who they are and their beliefs it's a very conflicting protagonist and antagonist even like with apocalypse and his um uh you know the switching of some of the standard x-men heroes into his minions archangel comes to mind Mm -hmm. Uh, later villains like penance which has a lot to do with the civil war story arc right his remaking of himself to sort of punch himself for killing these people yeah uh yeah, so that's my number. Yeah, one. that one's pretty good. Yeah, like I thought about flirting with the X Men, but I was like, yeah, who, who? Which one of these? I know that there's great villains out there, and yeah, that's how it kind of came to like Daredevil and Cap. Like, those are some good ones. Yeah, let us know what your favorites are. Is it Batman and Spider Man? It could be, but what about Superman out there? What about what about Wonder Woman? Yeah, maybe not. You know who's made great strides in the last ten years yeah. is Green Lantern. Yeah, they've done a really good job explain, expanding the color universe the mm-hmm. color galaxy the color opportunities yeah and i love you know sinestro was always yellow yeah and fear but they've gone to the red and the blue and then um you know because it was always like sinestro and then um oh the hal jordan reborn yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what the hell's his name um kyle Rainier. no like he comes back as um, parallax yes thank you yeah Kind of that sort of limited. Yeah. Not now. Yeah, that's good. From Larflees to you name it, the it has expanded oh, in good. mass. Good. By the way, two other people out there, there's going to be some comic book references in here, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a Green Lantern guy at all. I've read very little, but one thing I would recommend to people, if you can get at the library, mm-hmm. is read The Blackest Night in totality because essentially that idea is the black lanterns come back and resurrect all of the previously killed elements in the dc universe Mm. which is pretty much everybody at one point or another yeah and then uses them to sort of team up to go against the green lantern Corps. it's it's a fantastic read and beautifully drawn okay okay excellent all right. That's a good are, start. Yeah, that's some good entries. Yeah. So, you ready, Matt? I'm ready. All right. So, it's happy hour time. It's what everyone's here for. It's the breakdown review of Spider Man Far From Home. There will be spoilers. Spider-Man Far From Home opens up with the scene in Mexico as Maria Hill and Nick Fury observe uh, some damage done to this little town and they're interrupted by what we come to know as one of the elementals. I think this is the Earth one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but they are rescued or aided by a mysterious being. Um, we'll just call him Jake Gyllenhaal for right now, but this is Mysterio. And... I just got to mention something real quick. I, in the in the, the cast prior, the Summer Temple Hall of Fame, I think a lot of the films in there, in their opening scenes, really do a lot of important things for their film, like really kind of get its legs, you know, running down the, down the road, especially Raiders. Dare I call this the opening scene that kind of, if it wasn't there, I think we could care less. Like, yeah. it doesn't set up anything other than, like, here's this, this elemental 
thing and then this guy that's fighting them you could have introduced that later in the film and and it's just there just to kind of pad two minutes of the runtime man well said that's a huge issue with the conflict in this film for me Mm -hmm. what you just said we get into this village in mexico that's completely eviscerated with no consequence other than just the rubble of the village that Mm -hmm. we see one woman in particular walking around sort of ravaging through and all of that's done Mm -hmm. to meet mysterio yeah whereas later in the film he's going to show up to fight hydro man yep and that's a better entrance for him than this is we should have just done it there we should have just jumped right in with peter packing getting ready to go on vacation but hang on you forgot the 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 equally more important scene that that follows this which is set to whitney houston's i I will always love you (laughs) which is this school montage of um like the school television show that's montaging all the fallen heroes of the prior film avengers endgame now, for everything that this film was supposed to set up with dealing with the aftermath and what happened, they couldn't have picked a stupider thing to call everyone disappearing than the blip. <laughs> yeah. Why did they name it the snap? <laughs> the snap. I'll be back in a snap. The, Get it? The blip. I'll be back I in was, a snap. I was already like, oh my God, like what the hell? Like, uh, like anything. But but they, they they go into some things that could be interesting to explore in this film, which is... So not everyone disappeared. Those that did, or they're all five years older than them. They could have played with that a little bit more. But this is all we get is really this opening bit. This is the post-Endgame aftermath is this little short film. <laughs> I almost felt like that should have been the post-credit sequence in the Avengers. Yeah. That. Yeah. So are you trying to tell me that Marvel's handling of time and space on a continuum has been questionably done is that what you're saying? At least, yeah, maybe, yeah, this year. Huh. I think in total it's mm. been crap. Yeah. Okay, the saving grace to that bitch you just talked about mm-hmm. is at least it's kind of funny. Yeah. We get... And one of them is actually Betty Brant, which... Plays out. Interesting little tie to, yeah. to later. But we got to talk about one other little thing before we get into into this. So, yeah, Peter's going on um, on this school trip. This It's pretty awesome. It's trip to europe i wish i could have done something like this but again i was already kind of like i was already kind of groaning like 15 minutes in. we hadn't even done anything really and they're now calling the spider sense the peter tingle and i'm just like oh good god like what movie am i watching yeah so i don't know if you felt the same way but i was already just like man we're not on a good course for this film i thought the peter tingle of with its initial delivery from May to Peter as he's packing was sort of funny. Yeah. And then it got pretty worn out. Kind of like the movie Step Brothers. It was yeah. funny for about two minutes, then I ran out of the theater. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. It's cute. Like, this is a cute version of Spider-Man. Okay, that's fair. Whereas the other entries, I'll even give you Andrew Garfield, are a little more grown up and take it a little more seriously. <sighs> yeah. I mean, yes. Sadly, yes. Sadly, yes. I want to talk about the next step though for a minute go ahead that's why the necessity Mm -hmm. to go to europe and here's my other question sure sure peter acts like going to europe is going to be this special thing Mm -hmm. well he's already been there Mm -hmm. matter of fact he's been beyond europe he's been to space exactly he's taken on ebony ma Mm -hmm. in a rocket ship in the middle of nowhere yeah Uh, he's been on thana or with a titan Mm -hmm. so him going to europe did nothing for me 
to drive the story forward. It could as easily have been DC, mm-hmm. again, Philadelphia. It could have been the beach. There was no reason no. to go to Europe because Europe had nothing to do with the story. Magneto's not French. Yeah. There's Or Mysterio. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Mysterio's not French or Italian. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no reason. Yeah. I get that he wants a vacation. Yeah. Trust me. I get that. Yeah. But there's no reason to go there other than they just, fuck Amy Pascal, wanted an expensive location to shoot this film in. Yeah. And I mean that, fuck Amy Pascal. I don't know how she was involved with this. I thought she had been fired from Sony. Like, how does she still have ties to this Spider-Man film? Oh, you mean with her history of winners preceding this movie? <laughs> she bankrupted Sony, Jesse. I know, I know. Okay, so let's mention, let's talk about Tom Holland because we've done a Maguire, we've done a Garfield, and now it's it's Holland's turn. I actually think he's casted very well in this part. Agreed. I think he looks it. I think he's age appropriate. I think he plays the nerdy and kind of the cool decently, where it's not too Andrew Garfield, where it's borders on douchey. I just think he's playing a very different Spider-Man than you and I especially are used to. Okay. And I think I attribute a lot of that too. And I know we didn't want to see another Uncle Ben origin story, but that's an important moment. We didn't see his Uncle Ben moment. And maybe a Tony Stark in the prior film had died by the hands of Peter and it was his fault. There might be something to build to with trying to make penance with some past mistake. Instead, he's just, I don't want to be the next Iron Man. It's, it's kind of this back and forth mind game that he's playing. And I, I don't think it works on screen. Well, the reluctant journey into the quest that he's already started on. Mm -hmm. He's already become Spider-Man. He's already taken on the mantle of saving all of humanity. Yeah. And he doesn't want to take on any more because he wants to try to roll up on Mary Jane Mm -hmm. in Europe. Yeah. At the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. That's stupid, Jesse. Mm -hmm. We're just wasting time. It's just filling screen time with faux conflict Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that in this film you know he's going to get there for another reason you've seen the damn previews exactly hurry up and get in a black suit so we can see you become spider noir so we can get on to you becoming real spider-man and get to what the movie's about like it was a very slow burn yeah when we had already seen what was coming Mm -hmm. and that just it defanged the movie sure badly Yeah. yeah In between that, we got Aunt May, and she's working at the Feast Center, which I thought that was a nice, interesting tie. Like Let me ask this. you a question as you're a little younger than me. Okay. What do you think about Marissa Tomei as Aunt May? She's a very hot Aunt May, I'll give you that. She yeah. looks very good for her age, I'll give her that. Yeah. Um, yeah, hard for me to buy. I always imagined this very grandmotherly figure as Aunt May. It's an interesting delivery of that character. Yeah. I think I like it, mm-hmm. but mostly just because I really, since... You know, my cousin Vinny, that might be a generational, like a Gen X thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is an interesting choice for sure. Definitely. But isn't this... Okay, so you mentioned Tom Holland is an interesting choice yeah. in his depiction. Mm-hmm. While we're doing the interesting choices, let's do Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, in the prior film, I think we discussed this, it was really kind of forced. And I, I didn't kind of buy into it in the in the film, but in this one, I'm on board. Like, th- this this works for me. Me too, and a lot more mm-hmm. since the previous film. Yeah. I think she's really grown into that role. Yeah. Look, I always thought Mary Jane was one of the more overrated comics characters of all time. Yeah. That you you hit the jackpot tiger shit, got old. <laughs> the supermodel with the red, like that yeah, guy that yeah. was played out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think her Zendaya as Mary Jane yeah. is refreshing, and she's got kind of a dark tone to her, which is yeah an interesting yeah. depiction of that character. So yeah, I think I'm on board too. Yeah, I'm on board. So we got very likable protagonist. We got the female love interest. So like, where are we hanging up here? Oh, it's the plot of the story. Oh, just that little thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention too. Uh, John Favreau is Happy Hogan. Yeah, he's your favorite. I got to make make a little side note here. Matt and I went to go see Iron Man 3. That was probably already about seven years ago, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And John Favreau's presence in that film is perplexing, to say the least. It borders on com- comedic you know, buffoonery to just, why the hell are you even there? By film's end, Matt and I have just been totally just slapped in the face by this film. And he turns to me as the credits are rolling and it hits Favreau's name. And he's like, they need to get John Favreau the hell away from these movies because of things like in this film. Like, he does... I don't, Again, we're going to maybe get into this a little later, but it's the reason why I think J. Jonah Jameson is so important to the Spider-Man mythos. He kind of is filling this kind of side character role, and they need that and not Hogan. Well, if they wanted to tell another Iron Man story, just just tell an Iron Man story. Yeah. Because this almost becomes an effect kind of Iron Man 4, doesn't it? Yeah. That's not Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is not tech insofar as his web shooters. And this movie, as we're going to get to, mm-hmm. the latter third of the film becomes super tech heavy. Mm-hmm. And with Favreau's continual involvement yeah. as, I guess, the CFO of Stark Industries. I'm not even sure what his role is He's anymore. like comedic relief. He's like the Curly right, Howard. Right. No, He's no, like no. the Curly Howard of the MCU. Like, what well, is what yeah. this? At times. Yeah. And then at other times, he's very stoic and somber and stony. Uh, it's a miss. Mm-hmm. It's a miss. Yeah, I don't know why they chose him to be like the sidekick. Because he already has a sidekick. And here's something I actually really do like about these new... And I I liked Spider-Man Homecoming. I third, yeah. Third-ish best film in the series. Okay, yeah. Um, I like the dynamic that he has with his little buddy Ned. Ned Leeds. Yeah. Who, by the way, will be the green go- or the hobgoblin uh, at yeah. some point mm. in this story. Yeah. I like their little banter. I like their little handshake. I like how they're both kind of nerdy. Dorky, let's go build the Death Star. Yeah. I did too. I like that dynamic that they have. I could watch a whole film with just the two of them, but not called Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Jesse, you're so spot on. Yeah. They've even given him a sidekick name. Mm-hmm. The guy in the chair. <laughs> yeah. He's the, the guy in the chair. He's yeah. the Oracle. He's <laughs> Oracle to hit... To his Batman, to his Oracle, yeah. whatever the hell I'm trying to say yep, there. Yep, yep, yep. Ah, yeah. So I like that. I, I like the elements we have here. It's just, and then once we get to Europe, and, you know, he's pining for Mary Jane, but this other guy's interested in her, and all this mumbo-jumbo, and the, the, the muddling teachers, which, real quickly, one of the teachers is played by J.B. Smoove, who is a great comedic actor. Mm-hmm. And I just associate him with Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I'm just waiting for him to say, did you bring the ruckus to that ass, Larry? Like, I couldn't take him seriously as this teacher. I do think Spider-Man, this, this Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. excels with comedy. Yeah, but maybe too much. Too much. Yeah. It becomes almost clownish. Do you times. remember a couple of weeks ago and when we talked about Rares of Lost Ark and talking about, you know, Spielberg in full comedy mode is a misstep, but in small doses, he's very brilliant. Sure. I think they could take a lesson from that, like use comedy in the right spots. And I think you got a real great comedic timing in place of um, um, in the film. Look, philosophically, comedy is used in story for one purpose, and that's to alleviate tension. Mm-hmm. If there's no tension that you're trying to alleviate through gaff, joke, one-liner, you come across 
as jokish, yes. as as comical, mm-hmm. I, as circus-like. I start taking it less seriously, the material. Because you're relieving tension that hasn't been built. Mm-hmm. And it starts to go from, who I needed that laugh the way Spielberg excels into, yeah. man, another one eye roll. They turned this into a children's leveled intellect movie. And maybe that's what they were going for. What did I tell you? I texted you and I said, did I just watch um, National Lampoon's uh, Peter Parker's European Vacation? Yeah, it's like, well said. <laughs> minus the R rating. Yeah, minus the R rating. It's just Which it, really helped that film a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's just joke or quip one after the other. And Spider-Man's known to do that, but you mm-hmm. know when he does that? Yeah. In the middle of... Fisticuffs. Yeah, fisticuffs. There you go. Right? So, Every time he's fighting, he's got a little line for the bad guy that he's beating the crap out of. What a perfect alley-oop. I'm going to take it. So let's get to our first fisticuffs. We're in Venice. We're here on this European vacation. And here comes Hydro Man okay. to destroy the Venice canals here. And in comes Mysterio, this mysterious Iron Manish like savior to um save the day as you will because peter doesn't have a suit on he's got to wear some mardi gras mask and he saves the day and the media telling medium dubs him mysterio oh yeah i, I don't know what to say um <laughs> there's nothing to say i don't know if in any reading of mysterio that i've ever met mm-hmm. He's had the ability to fly. Now, Mysterio, at his base level, mm-hmm. is a cool character. Quentin Beck is a failed actor yeah. that was really good with visual effects. Let me just say real quick that he's actually my favorite Spider-Man villain. And I think it's the movie... Of, of all of them? I think so. And I think it's the movie tie-in. And I think wow. it's how he can make illusions and craft a fake world to just totally fool Spider-Man. We get a scene like that in the middle of this film, which is actually my, probably my favorite scene of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. But again, talking about, you know, how, like, Batman has that in Scarecrow. Yeah. The fear toxin. Yeah. And he's going to make you see the unholy versions of, like, your past or your deepest, darkest fears. I think Mysterio has that element to him. And it's just cool that he's just some hack actor that knows his way around special effects. I think that's a cool in. Okay, I agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah. Not my favorite mm-hmm. Spider-Man villain yeah. by a mile. Yeah. But if done well, can present a semi-formidable challenge mm-hmm. for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem for Mysterio with me. In this film or in general? Just in general. Okay. And that's why I would put him as like a C-list level threat to Spider-Man. Okay. Okay. I know the fishbowl is the fishbowl mm-hmm. for his head. Yeah. And it sort of serves as almost like an Iron Man-like helmet mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that the eyes on the armor that harness the cape to the shoulder pads that he's wearing sort of give a weird alien, almost like presence with him. Mm -hmm. (sighs) There is zero threat that Mysterio is ever going to undo Spider-Man to the level that he's in true jeopardy. Yeah. Now, Quentin Beck, as a character, has a pretty cool origin, like you said. Mm -hmm. Failed actor that succeeds or excels with visuals and sort of launches that into a crime um, kingdom. Yeah. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. For, like, frame jobs Mm -hmm. and, like, bank heists and... No, yeah, he's a small street level. And that's where this movie... Yeah. I, mean, I think most of you listeners are probably knowing exactly where we're going with it at some point, so it's not cats not out of the bag here too mm-hmm. much. Is a huge swing and miss. They try to create an intergalactic presence mm-hmm. through the use of holographic images. Now, 
that can be done in a room like a bank yeah or that can be done really well like in a theater where maybe it's set on fire mm -hmm. to take over the entire city of venice yeah too much and holograph the whole thing is bullshit yeah and then the way that he sort of perpetuates or perpetrates the damage mm -hmm. is just so badly written mm. the use of drones <laughs> to cause havoc <laughs> let's let's oh build, my god let's, come on let's build up to that all right all right so uh in comes nick fury he's looking for for peter parker here and he's he wants him to come meet quentin beck and they got to take down the rest of these elementals so this is again when i started kind of rolling my eyes a bit and i'm kind of glad the film deviated from this part because quentin beck is a uh, hero from another earth earth six something whatever and i'm just like oh my god like this whole timeline thing is just so fucked like and this film's making it worse like thankfully that like they go a different route but i'm just like oh my god like another interdimensional from another branched old man captain america timeline that's been screwed up like this is the marvel movies now mm -hmm. this is what we have to deal with yeah but they agreed to come to some sort of alliance. Nick Fury essentially hijacks their European vacation. Instead of going to Paris, they're going to Prague now to take on the next elemental, which is Molten Man. Yeah. But in between there, I think uh, what could have been a good moment, and I think, again, it's just trying to make Iron Man 4 or the next iteration of Iron Man was the, the passing of the torch of these uh, Tony Stark glasses to Peter, which essentially are just the most powerful glasses known to man because they're just running every Stark satellite orbiting Earth that can just launch a nuclear strike probably. Do you did like that? No, I don't. I'm just saying oh, okay. like this is what the this is what the film is now. What I told you, Matt, is again, this is a different version of Spider Man. He's just so inherent of technology from other people that we never get to see him make things like this. And it's to me that this item is too big for the Peter Parker I know, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He now has glasses that can launch a nuclear strike on any face, uh, any place on the face of the earth. Yeah, if there's a way to tap into the glasses that gives you access to AI that solves all your problems, you've created a writing element that's it. It was all a dream. It's yeah. an easy way out of any problem. Mm -hmm. And Peter Parker that I know and that you know mm -hmm. never would have had glasses like that no he can barely pay his rent like it was really off-putting in civil war the comic mm -hmm. when he got the iron spider suit a lot of people were like wait a second yeah now we fooled around with spider-man suits plenty we all know about the black suit and mm -hmm. venom and yep. even the red suit and carnage and all that kind of stuff right mm -hmm. um that wasn't a suit per se from spider-man but as an offspring of the carnage of the yeah. venom suit yeah to take it to the Iron Spider versus what's the contemporary Spider-Man, typical red and blues with the AI component. And now to add the glasses so that he's still got that thing going, mm -hmm. even when he's not in it. Look, just if you want to do Iron Man, Marvel, create another Iron Man. You have the kid. He was at the funeral mm -hmm. that we saw in Spider-Man 3. Go ahead. Let's start it. Let's do, launch it. Do just it. make Iron Man. Do it. But I don't want to watch that movie either. But, but, I, but like, just do Iron Man. Yeah. Then. Don't do Spider-Man as Iron Man. Do Spider-Man. Iron Man versus Mysterio is about a two-panel fight, Jesse. <laughs> Gone. Yeah, you laser him in half. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's a really important part of this podcast to me. And I brought it up in the flight. Mm -hmm. And that's scope. Yeah. Okay, look. I'm just going to lay it on the line. Good. Post-Thanos, everybody wants to know what 
the next baddies going to be and how large the world of Marvel and its villains are going to be in stage four. It's a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. Questions remain. Does theater going, audience going, Marvel fans have an appetite for another 10 years? I'm going to venture no way. Mm -hmm. Do we have another cosmic threat coming or are we going to go more street level threat? All of these are intriguing questions that I would say, even though Marvel didn't answer them any in this film, mm -hmm. I think are out there and is keeping me semi-interested. Yeah. The question, though, is are they going to be able to deliver? Now, I just read something today, this morning, okay. that there's rumors that Matthew McConaughey is in discussions to play Norman Osborn. I am on board if that's going to happen. That could be fantastic. Mm. And it changes it to more of a street-level uh, domestic threat versus a worldly threat. Yeah. This movie can't make the decision about what it wants to do in this regard. Mm -hmm. Mysterio is street level B minus bank robber bank robber to the level of threat of like the vulture and maybe less because the vulture can drop you from 50 stories up in the air right mm -hmm. like he's not threatening yeah and to try to create a world where Spider-Man is threatened to me mm -hmm. ever in jeopardy from Mysterio is really a tough task and this movie <laughs> doesn't succeed on any level and that's spider-man like organic natural spider-man yeah not tony stark super enhanced spider-man mm -hmm. brother this is a two-minute fight yeah there's no he's never mm -hmm. in jeopardy in this movie yeah never i like that you say it's the tony stark spider-man and not the peter parker spider-man where and that's why i kind of like in homecoming in that second bit when he takes his little super suit away from him and he has to go that second half of the movie with that little homemade suit that's the Spider-Man I know. The guy that has to make stuff on the fly cheaply because it's all he can afford. But he's using his allegedly very smart brain to do so. Brains, yeah. speed, mm -hmm. and enough strength to be a bit of a formidable foe. Yeah. That's how Spider-Man wins. Mm -hmm. And regret. Mm -hmm. Regret. Yeah. Fueled by regret. I thought this film was actually going to deal more with the regret of Tony Stark. And I think at the end of the day, like three or four scenes, it was a mural... A conversation with Hogan on a plane, maybe one other reference, and that was kind of it. Like the regret of losing out on on someone that meant a lot to you, a father figure of types, didn't for me didn't propel Peter Parker to really become his own Spider Man. Because yeah, he's been uh, given yeah. the tools to just become the all powerful Spider Man. He didn't earn the. He didn't earn them or make them himself. They were just given to him. You're going back to the same thing I just said. I agree with everything you just said there. Okay. Scope. The scope of these characters, mm -hmm. grounding them, and you can take that literally or metaphorically, grounding them in so far as like a ground level threat. Yeah. Geography, size, power abilities. Like we're going to get to the Sinister Six towards the end of this podcast. The reason the Sinister Six are created is because each one of those guys by themselves has no chance because <clears throat> Spider-Man's stronger. Mm -hmm. But together... So, Mysterio's a charter member of the Sinister Six. <laughs> a founding member. He has his right? founders come. He does. <laughs> and he's going to take on super enhanced Spider-Man with Stark technology and glasses that answer any question just by asking, what's her name? Edith. Asking Edith whatever he wants. Like, they are doing what one of my least favorite films in the world is doing. That's The Strangers. And that was having them sneak into the house before they sneak into the house. We already know they can get in. You have 
set the bomb off before you've even lit the fuse. By giving Spider-Man the power of Edith and Stark technology, you've done the same thing. You have made Mysterio completely, rendered him completely inept. This is Mr. Beck. Well, you handled yourself well out there today. I saw what you did with the tower. Thanks. They were born in stable orbits within black holes, creatures formed from the primary elements, air, water, fire, earth. The science division had a technical name. We just called them elementals. Versions of them exist across our mythologies. Turns out the myths are real. Like Thor. Thor was a myth, and now I study him in my physics class. These myths are threats. They first materialized on my Earth many years ago. I was part of the last battalion left trying to stop. So we're in Prague. The trip's going to hell. He's still trying to pine for Mary Jane, but Fury needs him to do this mission with Quentin Beck. And in comes Molten Man now at this little fun fair in this town square. We get the stealth suit, um, which, which is pretty cool. It's different. He kind of looks like the killer from Prom Night, 1980, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's a different suit. I, I kind of like the different things that, the, that they're trying. I'll give the film a little credit to expand that as, as you will. They're able to defeat Molten Man. And Quentin and Peter uh, hightailed to to the to the local pub for a beer, and this is for and then this is this is an interesting thing for me. I don't understand like it's not like he even convinced Quentin very much to let him try the glasses on or that. Peter's so willy nilly to like oh you just have these Quentin you're you're much more powerful than me even though he belongs to another timeline or whatever, just to propel the. The plot into to the next act because now we're we're like an hour into this thing. I didn't really buy into like why he would give him the glasses. It it didn't really make sense to me. Right, it doesn't make sense because what you have is Mysterio trying to steal Iron Man's technology, mm -hmm. and this is a Spider Man movie. Mm -hmm. We have gone completely off the rails now. Yeah, I'm gonna steal these glasses, which. I'm not even certain he knew how they existed mm -hmm. because they're given to Spider-Man by Fury mm -hmm. with a little note from Tony Stark saying, you should be the proper wielder of these glasses, essentially. Yeah. How does he even know that they exist? And then we also come to find out mm -hmm. in a twist, if you will, yeah. that the pat on the back, hey, buddy, thanks for the glasses. It's going to be good. I will don the mantle proudly. Mm -hmm. The illusion breaks down and we get the very heavy with exposition mm -hmm. on the nose story yeah. of why Beck is pretending to be Mysterio. Yeah. Here real quick, the kind of showman of Beck. This is the this is the Mysterio I know. I'm kind of, yeah, me too. I'm kind of glad they course corrected from timeline Earth 616 fighter to this because yeah. this is what it is. Right. And he's a great player and an actor and an auteur and Laurence Olivier of the Marvel villain. When dumb. essentially he's assembled a group of people that have all been wronged or perceived wronged by Stark. Again, it's in an Iron Man movie though. Exactly. So explain Beck's origins. And, oh, so the, and this is my other kind of gripe with these films, the cinematic universe, if I can fault it for a thing. Jesus, you had to have done your homework before you can go see this film because... You had to see the prior film. You had to see some of the other ones because of the references they make. Otherwise, you're just going to be lost. Well, so yeah. you had to have seen Civil War to kind of know this tie to this Edith technology. Yeah, and we get a throwaway scene, which is the scene from um, Civil War. Civil War, yeah. Where we see Stark talking to his father and him using that as therapy to get over daddy issues. Well, that's been stolen 
from Quentin Beck, who was a former Stark employee and given the moniker, his life's work, given the moniker of Barf. And because his Quentin Beck's life work on research has been given the moniker by Stark of Barf, he's got an axe to grind against Tony Stark and wants to make a lot of money and become an intergalactic, worldly... No, I don't know what he wants what to do. What the fuck is going on right now? I don't know what he wants to do. I don't know if he wants to make money or if he wants to blow things up. I, okay, don't, I so, don't know if he wants to do either. Right, so here we are, Jesse. Yeah. We've bagged on Ultron time and time again on this because in the iteration of Age of Ultron, it was, I'm going to turn this world into rubble and then my robots are going to rule over it. There is no mm -hmm. logical... Yeah character arc for this bad guy because they've taken him out of the banks and the frame jobs for money and tried to turn him into world protector when he has I don't think any real desire to want that he mostly wanted to monetize barf <laughs> yeah exactly it's exactly. so Again, at this point, for me, Mysterio is lost. And then he's got a little minion there. And you mentioned to me this could have been a nice tie-in, and they totally just shit the pot on this one. Um, a tie-in from the very first Iron Man film. Someone that Obadiah Stane chews out, this like technician guy. And he's on the 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 Tony Stark uh, He-Man Woman Haters Club uh, bandwagon. And it's kind of what this club is, the Tony Stark Haters Club. Right. And... You said it perfectly. This should have been Alistair Smythe, right. the inventor of the Spider Slayers. And we could have had those at the end instead of what these just inconsequential drones we get. Right. Less value than stormtroopers. <laughs> that's saying something. Yes. So we keep progressing. Um, and then we get a nice moment here on the bridge where between Mary Jane and Peter where she actually, um, he's trying to like just say, hey, I'm kind of into you. I like you. It's been going on for a while. And... She butts in and says, you're going to tell me you're Spider-Man, right? I've known it for a while, and he's just, like, kind of just taken. And, again, we got to get the—it's—this it's, it's this is a good moment to have just because we can kind of play that, oh, why is Peter here and not here? Like, that gets old pretty quickly. One of the—we've been pretty hard on this movie so far. I do want to give this movie a nod here mm -hmm. in this regard. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man canon is every time he and MJ start to get close to making it work, yeah. something gets in the way, mm -hmm. and— if it's that they're about to have a roll in the hay to a very sentimental moment, something comes, the Peter tingle, I had to do that just to piss you off, <laughs> spider sense goes off and he's got to leave her high and dry. So we're sticking with what's an essential piece of the Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Mary Jane relationship, and mm -hmm. that's he can never be around because there's always another quest that's pulling him away. Exactly. And this is ultimately going to rip them apart. Mm -hmm. One Last Day comes to mind, some of the stuff that Straczynski wrote. Yeah. Um, so there you have that. I think that's pretty well handled in this film. And it's going to happen right here in the scene that you're talking about. Yeah. Again, go ahead. No, yeah. So, yeah she, yeah, she figures out that it's him. But they also find out the ultimate kind of revelation of the Mysterio drone making special effects. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, dude. But no, hang on. I, I, this is a nice moment between the two. Like, I, Tom Holland has an, a real nice natural charisma uh, as an actor. It's not something that you. I think it's something you either have or you. I don't think you can learn that. So I think he embodies that in Peter Parker very well. Agreed. And we see that in this scene. But then again, it's totally shit can by this revelation. And the the whole thing hinges on. Ready for this? This mm -hmm. is not a joke to our listeners. Mm -hmm. Mary Jane happening to come across a projector 
that has fallen out of one of the drones that Mysterio is using during the final Molten Man battle. Mm -hmm. A projector. Yeah. She gets her hands on a projector. It like ricocheted off the Ferris wheel and like down that alley where she was just so happened to be Jesse, standing. Is that contrived or am I just being a big bitch about this? No, I thought about this too because we were pretty hard on the Amazing Spider-Man 2 for everything just running through Oscorp, Gwen Stacy, Harry, Electro, Eels. And this film does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like him being in Europe and Mysterio's just so happening to being in Europe too is that's contrived. I would ask you again, like why are we even in Europe? No, we don't need to be here. We should be at Miami Beach right now. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so yeah, contrived. Mm -hmm. It's bad writing. Yeah. Oh, look what I found. I don't know what this is. Do you think Marvel Studios, just because they have more money than God right now, and they just have carte blanche on like the summer box office atmosphere, that they kind of get away with bad writing? Like, Yes, because you and I are going to proceed to kill this film and kill it in the reviews. And we'll go see the next one. The day it comes out. Regard, even And there's a differing opinions on these two films for you or I. Yeah. So of the Thor franchise, you don't like two of them and you like one of them. Mm -hmm. And I can't stand Captain Marvel and you liked it. Mm -hmm. I will be there opening night or close to it for Captain Marvel 2 and you'll be there yeah. for Thor Dark World Part 2 too. Yeah, it's kind of sick. This is kind of like like a sick kind of like mentality that we're, that we're in. And I, I've noticed, so I think it answers your question. Yeah, I've noticed this in a few of their films that I think, you know, they're able to kind of do things that we spend a lot of time trying not to do when we write. Yeah. But in other films like Amazing Spider-Man 2 where it's just like so contrived and they get bastardized. But because they've had success, because they've built a model that now is kind of... I would arguably say that Hollywood is going through this model now. Like, everything revolves around Marvel right now. Uh, even other future products are be, or, or screen um, endeavors are built on trying to design a Marvel-like world yeah. where all of these characters play. Exactly. Yeah, so the power of, and we've bagged on a lot because it's killed a couple of our scripts, and you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about here. Mm -hmm. A built-in audience is worth more than any fade-in or fade-out you could put mm -hmm. on a piece of paper in Final Draft 9 ever. Yep. Sad. Because then you don't have to write You don't have to write well. Mm -hmm. And then again, it's like when I leave the theater and, you know, when I left this showing, I just told you this now that the people sitting next to me were like, I really like that. That was maybe my favorite of all the Spider-Man films. And I was like, did I watch a different movie? Yeah. Or like, I am I like, like on drugs because... That is not, this is not the best Spider-Man movie. I've seen these themes and these characters done expertly better in prior entries. When it's, Matt, <laughs> the thesis of the day, when the scope is of Spider-Man. Yeah. That's why Spider-Man 2 is so good. Right. Um, yeah, let's get this thing moving along. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We, we, we were progressing here. We find this a revelation. Uh, Peter's off uh, to, to Berlin to kind of meet with Fury to let him know the revelation of Beck. And we get that moment that I really like. It's why I like Mysterio, and it's this master of illusions, and I'm going to make you see what you're not seeing. You're really just in this abandoned, um, uh, being constructed skyscraper. The best six minutes of the film. Yeah. I really like that bit, too, when like Iron Man comes out of the grave and is like crawling after him, very zombie-like. A bit Carrie-like, but bit, also yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. But it, it works for me. This this is why I like Mysterio. He, he'll play with your head, and you don't know what's real. And then... Um, you know, all that's that's all great. And it's kind of killed for me when I see Jake Gyllenhaal there with the bowl on his head and, like, the green screen-like outfit. Like, 
and it's just drones. So to me, this this isn't even Mysterio from the comic books because he's actually in the suit. Right. I don't know what this is. It's all projections, mm-hmm. but projections where damage is being given to Peter Parker, and he takes a pretty heavy amount of it, but it's being done to him with drones. Yeah. Can I ask you this real Drones? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask you this real quick? At this point in the film, I maybe already know your answer, but are you kind of digging Michael Keaton's vulture more or oh, yeah. Mysterio? No, no. Michael Keaton's vulture yeah. in spades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Think think I you am. You too? I think, yeah, yeah, I am too. So we kind of get on with it. But this is a good six minutes. It, Visually, this is a cool six minutes, and it's classic Mysterio versus Spider-Man. Perfect. Yes, exactly. With, mm-hmm. he, look. Spider-Man comes out of this battle, and he's beat to a pulp, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything has gone to hell, and his friends are in jeopardy now, too, because he is Mysterio has tricked Spider-Man into telling him, as Nick Fury, who else he told knows about the illusion effects that Mysterio's been I trying told, to monetize. I told Ned, I told um, MJ. and So now he's just put his two best friends mm-hmm. in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So, okay, all right, we're, at least we have... We have some stakes. Right. <laughs> Something's happening. I feel a pulse. And you all... just stole it from me. Can, yeah. I, can I do this? Go for ahead, me? go ahead. We've talked off mic mm-hmm. a few times about the Dark Knight. Yes. And we have some differing opinions on that, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're going to differ on this. Okay. The Joker is a street-level threat to Batman. Mm-hmm. And that script, although I feel like it's filled with a lot of like long-winded bits to get to what it gets to, every decision that the Joker forces Batman to make mm-hmm. in that movie mm-hmm. has consequence yeah. and weight. Mm-hmm. So it can be done. Mm-hmm. All within the confines of that city. Yes. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie, for the first time, is going to tease weight and consequence because the writers mm-hmm. just didn't take enough time yeah. to put thought into it. And I'm not trying to say that Mysterio is a level of baddie that the Joker is, but I'm also saying to be a respectable bad guy and in a respectable movie where I might think for a minute, like, maybe Spider-Man's in trouble here. Yeah. The way I did the whole time in The Dark Knight. Yeah. You have to have some stakes yeah. to what you're making your characters do from yeah. protagonist action force or antagonist yeah. action forced on protagonist. I don't want to turn this into the Dark Knight podcast because no, we'll, no. we'll definitely do this film one day. But there's there's even in that film, there's that moment too where the Joker just escalated things to such a degree that Batman's like, I just I have to turn myself in because everyone else is dying because of me. Right. And he's about to do it like with the, like that. Those are stakes to the nth degree. Like I'm gonna give up all like superhero duties. As popular as Spider Man is in this film, yeah. You know how he de- debunks the entire Mysterio plot. Hmm. Gets online and says, "Here's what I know about Mysterio, mm-hmm. and here's the truth on everything that you saw." And then what's Mysterio's plan? Mm-hmm. Destroy the entire world because they all know. Yeah. Why is he sitting on? Or why is the movie content sitting on only two people knowing? There's that great line in Sarah Marshall, mm-hmm. which is the cell phone line when she's at dinner with um, Aldous Snow. What would you do if your mobile phone killed you? Right. He's like, <laughs> turn the phone off. <laughs> Hello? No story. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's tongue in cheek. It's a metaphor for a crap movie. But this movie's suffering from that in spades, time and time and time and time again. And I would want it's just bullshit action screen time. Yeah, and I would want to say Peter would learn a lesson after this beating that he takes in this illusion mm -hmm. fight. Mm -hmm. But no, he's rescued by Happy Hogan oh. in the Stark mm. jet that has the power to do everything. Uh. We get a nice moment there where him saying, like, I wish he was still here. I miss him. Back to that again. Yeah, back to that. We, we could have had a little bit more of that because then the theme would have been hammered a little bit more. But no, again, we're, we're immediately shoehorned into the back closet where he's got, like, a tech-making suit. He's got a 3D printer spider-making suit. I don't, Matt, you have some Spider-Man comics here on the table right now. Yes, I don't sir. think in any of these comics was he never not like sewing his own suit, other than the, other than the symbiote, right? Okay, so this is since we've talked about this in previous episodes, this is the second act reversal. Okay, and things are worse off now than when they started. So textbook, it's checking that box, mm -hmm. and the answer to that is like every hero: pick yourself up by your bootstraps and mm -hmm. go give it hell. But it's pick yourself up by your bootstraps, go give it hell with the best yeah. Stark technology money has to offer that you've ever wanted. And mm -hmm. so he builds himself a brand new suit mm -hmm. that is kind of classic red and blues, but with a heavy element of Starkiness to it, more so than the one that Stark made for him already. Yeah. And now we're into our final sequence. I kind of had a problem with the suit in the Homecoming film because it has its own AI in there. I can't remember the name of yeah. it. Yeah. But it literally has a kill button where it says kill mode and it just kills everybody. Right. Like, why would you need anything else? There's one moment earlier that we sort of glossed over, well, totally glossed over. Peter puts on the glasses and one of the rivals for Mary Jane's affection in this movie is under serious, serious threat of death mm -hmm. from Peter and Edith because Peter says, kill David or whatever the hell. Peter, what's his name? What's his, what the hell's his name? Whatever. The, <laughs> yeah. the, this guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name. And so we go through this really stupid sequence where Peter almost wrecks the bus. No, it's like slapstick. And then jumps out the top of it to like web the drone to jerk it to the ground instead of just saying, cancel the kill sequence. Mm -hmm. Again, bullshit fodder and you know they're not gonna kill this guy no what are we doing yeah this movie would take such a dark turn i might like the turn it takes but what i'd actually argue to you with what we're gonna get to at the end of this film yeah that guy dying is something that this movie really missed we'll get to that <laughs> in a minute well how about nobody dying? like it's that there's no i don't feel the weight that i felt in prior films with spider-man uh, Let's get to it. Okay, so we get to London. The, the end of the film, London, wherever the hell we are. For no, There's no reason to be in London other than we haven't seen London yet. Maybe the location scouts wanted to have a nice dinner there. Um, and we get the final showdown between Peter and Mysterio. And Mysterio unleashes with the glasses that are Edith that Peter's giving him. What, about 70 million drones from the Stark satellite to yeah. shoot the hell out of Peter and his two friends? Yeah. And we're supposed to believe... That running fast <laughs> is enough of a defense. So Happy and Peter's classmates seek refuge in the, the Tower of London. Tower of London's crown jeweled vault. <laughs> Meanwhile, Peter is swinging from drone to drone in the air, lassoing, kicking. He goes in the drone too, though. He goes inside the illusion, ricocheting, webbing, bouncing. Hey, Matt, how many people are on this bridge right now? Exactly. None, right? I, or maybe a million? Does it matter? I don't know. No, even... there's none. There's none. And again, oh, it's a deserted bridge? No, yeah. Because we have those in rush hour in London. 
because I've been to London twice, and I can tell you the one thing you don't have to worry about there is traffic. And what? A, again, consequence. Stupid. There could have been this people litter all over this bridge, maybe about to die. Maybe some of them have died, but we're afraid to kill people in this movie. Uh, and then there's stakes. I need to save these people. I got to stop these drones to save those people. No, there's no one there, so... I'm just swinging around, and again, Matt, you and I, we talked about the brilliance of the action Raiders of Lost Ark, yeah. where I can actually focus on each cut mm-hmm. and the scenes, and it evokes a reaction in me, and I'm excited, yeah. and I'm like, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. Here, I can't focus on anything because of how much everything's bouncing around, and then again, I don't care because there's nothing at stake, because I know they're not going to kill Spider-Man in this film. No, of course not. And Peter's aerial presence in the movies that we like, or Peter's aerial presence as Spider-Man is from building top, rooftop to rooftop via webs. It's not acrobatic in the air with tightrope of drones. Like Peter at, like Spider-Man at base level, Jesse, Mm -hmm. combats aliens, Mm -hmm. bad guys, boy, I'm getting tongue-tied here, slow down, combats the bad guys on his feet. Mm -hmm. He webs this guy to the wall. He catches this guy's punch. And we've got this aerial barrage that I think Pascal and co said you know what people are really like Mm -hmm. is a big aerial display with Spider-Man the truth is though it's been done seven times in other films I don't need any more of that let me play a little game with you real quick oh okay what do you what do you think is action scene wise is better the Batman Batwing uh, attacking the Joker's parade fight or this sequence Probably Batman Batwing because it's easier to see what the hell's going on. And the gas has more stakes than these drones. What about Superman fighting uh, Zod and the Kryptonians in New York City, Times Square, or this film? Awful scene, but at least buildings are coming down around the people in Superman and the Zod fight. Like there's the threat of people in jeopardy, actually. What about the train sequence in Spider-Man 2 versus this film? Not even close. The train sequence by a mile. That's one of the better action sequences in all of film. To me, there's just nothing memorable about about this in right. the slightest. And this is point. this is the, well done, this, is yeah. the, this is the climax of the film. Yeah. I want to feel something, yeah. and the people in jeopardy are with Happy Hogan in the Tower of London, being almost killed by one drone. And Spider-Man's fighting faceless robots. Yeah, faceless. And I don't care if you put Stark Industries on the on the tag on its on its side either. Mm-mm. I just don't care. No. Meanwhile, Mysterio is on the bridge. In some mirrored, encapsulated environment, just watching it all happen. Yeah. So he kills the drones. He gets Mysterio. He gives him one final illusion, but Spider-Man beats it. Of course he does. But uh, not before he gives him like a parting shot line. And unbeknownst to him later is that he actually filmed this whole bit and spins it in his own way. But Mysterio's dead, maybe. And... Everyone's rescued. He saved the day. We're going to get on with this Euro trip back to New York City. And we're going to end this movie finally. <laughs> but we finally get, Matt. We finally get. And I can't. It's at the end of the freaking movie. What if I told you about this version of Spider-Man that I just don't understand? Is like, to me, Spider-Man lives between the skyscrapers of New York City. Yeah. We finally get it. We get a nice little end sequence of him swinging 
I mean, he's texting, and I was like, this is just the Spider-Man we have to deal with. It's 2019. Like, I hate it, but like... Don't text and swing. Don't text and swing. Well, you did, Mysterio is dead at this point, if you believe that. If you believe minute, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's swinging, he takes Mary Jane for a ride, we have like a little moment, and our film ends. And then we have, if you're familiar with Marvel, uh, we have some end credits sequences that are we need to discuss the first one I actually think is fairly brilliant, and I can't yeah. believe it took them this freaking long to get to this. So they finish their little swing, uh, uh, Spider-Man and uh, Mary Jane. And she's scared to death. She's totally scared to death. Like, no, I'm with you, Matt. Like, I'm digging this portrayal of Mary Jane. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm interested to see where they take this. Me too. Maybe they'll just complicate it more and introduce a Gwen Stacy. That might help the film, actually. That might. Mark Webb's not doing anything. Oh, thank, Don't bring him back into this thing. <laughs> But they're, um, he's about to leave, and he's, like, perched on a little lamp, uh, a street light, and on, like, a big monitor there, in comes, like, a news report on, like, the death of Mysterio and this breaking news thing. And it's actually being put on and being spun by a new iteration of the Daily Bugle, like, kind of like a web-based Info version. Wars. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. Um Played by J.K. Simmons, yeah. the original J. Jonah Jameson. This is what the series has needed since Spider-Man 3. Yeah. I don't know how you do Spider-Man and not have Jameson. Like, they they need to be together. Right, because yeah. he's one of his better, like, greater threats. And I think I mentioned in my flight, he's maybe the one of the best casted comic book characters ever. Agreed. I'm so glad he's back. And I that he better be back in the next movie. Like, this better not just be some just, like, bullshit... Moment. No, like, bring him back. Like, I don't care that he was in the other movies. Like, he needs to be there. And he's trying to break down Spider-Man in a tabloid way, the way that was done in previous attempts. Mm-hmm. That's J. Jonah Jameson's entire thing. Spider-Man saves the city and he finds some hack, po- hack photo yeah. and runs some salacious headline, like <laughs> National Enquirer style. Exactly. And that's what he's doing here, but in a 2019 kind of way, like a podcast or a video cast. Mm-hmm. And they blow Spider-Man's identity here on the right. web. Yeah. Okay, so we've got at least a cool starting point in the next film. Yeah. Everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Yeah. And Jameson's back. Right. Yeah, I'm on board. This is great. Why did they wait till the end of the movie to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, you went, you made us do this Mysterio journey, this Euro trip, National Lampoon's vacation, and this is the best part of the movie, maybe. Okay, but for everything that this scene succeeds oh, in, Christ. the second one fails. Yeah, you got to wait through the next eight minutes of credits to get to this one. Okay, so ready? Here's the big thing that's going to be revealed. Well, let me explain what happens and then what it should have been. Yeah. Okay, so we, we cut to um, a scene of uh, Nick Fury and Murray Hill just driving down the road, and then it's revealed that they're actually... Uh, the scrolls, Talos and his wife. Not even Minerva, but Mark. yeah, from from Captain Marvel. They've been masquerading as them this whole time. Oh, Minerva's Creed. She's not even. Sorry, never yeah, mind. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. And we cut from that to Nick Fury, who we think's on some beach, but he's actually on some holodeck. Yeah, some scroll ship. Just you know what I read about that though. Drinking supposed, a drinking a mai tai. That supposedly has ties to Agents of Shield. And Coulson's death and his resurrection in season one. No, so, we're not watching that I, show. I, well, <laughs> no one's watching. Some so now pe- Spider-Man's tackling Shield too. Oh Christ! Okay, anyway, so he's on this vacation drinking his his blue Hawaii <laughs> in his like his shirt, and there's just scrolls running around, and he's just like living on a scroll ship. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, what? Here's how this scene should have been. Oh yeah. It should have been them two in in the car. It's Talos and his wife saying, like, we've begun phase one of 
our infiltration into their society. Like I have something. I go ahead. Keep going. We cut to Nick Fury. He's not on vacation. He's in like some scroll holding cell, being held captive. And we cut back to just this scroll army, and they're ready to like invade Earth. Okay, so I'm gonna take everything you just said and one up you. The guy that I said needed to die earlier in the film, mm-hmm. the guy that comes back that's vi- the rival for mm-hmm. Mary Jane's affection, mm-hmm. he needs to be killed and all of this drone strikeage because then it creates a little bit of a threat that's absent and that someone might actually die. Mm-hmm. And then we have that body mm-hmm. and it's uncovered and as it's died, it's revealed to be a scroll. Mm, good. And maybe Fury isn't... And maybe he's there with Captain <clears throat> Marvel. Mm-hmm. And we say, we might have a problem on our hands. Now we've launched into secret invasion. Yeah. Why is that not in this movie? Instead, we went for cheap, comedic... Yeah, we launched into a joke. That doesn't even mean you have to set phase four for for Kree scroll or secret invasion. It just means we've got a possibility for another avenue of conflict. Yeah, a seedling. Instead, the conflict in this is after Fury leaves the holodeck, he can't find his shoes. <laughs> That's your conflict. He says that. Where are my shoes? Which end credit scene did you... I think you... the dog got my shoes, Clyde. <laughs> Which end credit scene did Bonnie you... Bonnie Clyde. <laughs> Which end credit scene did you like least? Did you... Was it that one? Or what about uh, Stark and, and Banner's uh, therapy session in Iron Man 3? Oh, gosh. I'm going to give you one more after this, too. Probably this one. <laughs> okay. Wow, really? Yeah. Because that one's pretty pointless. It, it, yeah. Uh, what about, uh, you know, the one in, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy with Howard the Duck there? Oh, no, that has this one beat. Okay. That's absurd. <laughs> okay. Because that's, that's just, that's just tongue in cheek. Yeah. And again, for everything that this movie was, the closing of phase three mm-hmm. and where this is going, that's why I said early in there, you're going to get no indication what's going on other than the scrolls are still going to be involved because they buddied up with Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say this, okay. although I mentioned them as one of the baddies for the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Short of fighting the Fantastic Four, man, if if the next overarching big, quote unquote, 10 year journey of Marvel is scroll, I'm probably out. It'll The scrolls will probably be in it. They won't, oh, no, they'll be in it. They won't be it, though. It, it can't be. No. And maybe that's a blessing in disguise. But. Scree, uh, the cro- uh, scroll secret war story mm-hmm. is a really good read. Yeah. And they have a template, so it would be pretty easy to script. So they couldn't fuck it up too much. But no, no, it was. Instead, a- we're just going to hopefully Fury finds his shoes. I can't find my shoes. Yeah, it was an alley oop to just a total rim rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe, Maybe that's just the met- met- metaphor of this, this Speaking film. Speaking of rim rock, how about the Clippers, dude? Did you see? The Clipper, yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Yeah, are they the favorites now? Yeah, did you see what they gave away to get Paul George, though? Mm-hmm. Five first-round picks? Wow. And the contract with Leonard's only for four years. I'm telling you. I'm, you know I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah. They're still going to continue to suck. Like, no, they'll be okay. No, but... they're not. They, 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 James and, 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 and Anthony Davis. And but Kuzma. That's it. Well, that's three at least. It's three players, but you need a bench, too. Well, I mean, I think the West is wide open. You but... also need a coach as well. Oh, that's a start. Okay, yeah. So we'll come back to that next summer. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, right. I, th- yeah. I think time now more than ever. Matt, how would you rate and grade Spider-Man Far From Home? And we got Rockgut, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. It's Well. This is my second least favorite Spider-Man entry in the whole series. What's under that one? 
uh, Spider-Man 3, the original. Mark Webb's Gwen Stacy, um, what is that? The Amazing Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. is ahead of this film. Really? Murdered that. This, yeah, I was really. You like Spider-Man 3 less than Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yes. Really? Yes. Interesting. That's my least favorite Spider-Man film. Okay. Spider-Man 3 is my least favorite Spider-Man okay. film. And then this one, and then Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, I was really glad it was over. <laughs> I don't ever want to see it again. It was a huge miss. It might be, I will admit, it might be a little Marvel fatigue on my point, too. Um, but if we're fatigued, but mostly not. If we're fatigued, everyone else should feel fatigued. But, but mostly it's not. It's not mostly Marvel fatigue. It's that was, look, here was my reservations when this movie was cast and announced that it was Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Mysterio. Man, I hope they keep it like bank heist and like a frame job. No, they try to take over the world. In Europe for no reason. But There's every, plenty of water. Every Marvel film tries to sky beams and sky monsters. Put it in the streets. Like, we'll still like it. You, The Guardians can take care of the cosmic stuff. Nova's in development. It can take care of the cosmic stuff. Mm-hmm. Let the street level, like you said it really well with Daredevil mm-hmm. earlier. That's why Let I think the street that, level guys be the street level guys. That's why I think that show, The Daredevil on Netflix, worked so well. Oh, was the third season. <laughs> really unbelievable. good. Yeah. Okay, what about you? What do you got? I think I'll come in at a bit of a call. Call rating. I, I can't put it down there with Spider-Man 3. And I think Spider-Man 3 is better than The Amazing Spider-Man 2. You're, you're, I don't know what, what you're on right now. But <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as good as, as Homecoming, in my opinion. There's some things to like about it. I mean, you know, Tom Holland, again, he's a very... I like him as his character. I just don't like the character, the writing for him. If that makes any sense. I like this iteration of Mary Jane. I like some of the sequences they did with Mysterio. But the story from ABC, and again, we've gone to school, and maybe this is just a new thing for Rice Smile Films podcast, is really kind of hammering in like the beats of a screenplay. This film was just all over the place and didn't give me a, a compelling opening scene. I don't know what the hell the inciting incident was, and I don't even know if you can call the fight on London Bridge a climax. Oh, God. It no. was just, it was kind of lukewarm in that reception. So it's not the worst Spider Man film. It's not the best Spider Man film. It's right there in the middle. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd really, really come back to this one frequently. It's continuing this very sad slate of films for this summer. Yeah, dude, we're cursed. This is. It's been a rough summer. Especially, it, like, as you told me off mic, mm-hmm. when you do the Summer Temple Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and then revisit this. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. It's been a rough summer. Been a rough summer. And once we um, we have a cask lined up for August, we're not going to let you know what that is, but it's going to be badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of that cask, we're going to come back to, remember when we ranked what we thought was going to make the most money? Man, I, I don't know. I think we're both kind of screwed because we both picked Godzilla. Yeah. That movie made like no money. None. Uh, Aladdin, I think, exceeded monetary expectations. I think we still got... The Lion King coming. We got Lion King. I had that one. You didn't. No. But we both had this one. This one's going to clean up. But again, it's the quality versus the quantity. Right. But see, it goes back to what you said. Mm -hmm. Does Marvel have carte blanche? Yes. They continue to win 200 million plus at the box office. And I hate that. Yes. Then they're going to keep making this cookie cutter film. There's not a singular new idea in this movie. Mm -hmm. And those that were new were ripped off from Iron Man. Yeah. So it doesn't make them new either. Exactly. It's recycled tech. You look really pretty. Therefore, I have value? No. 
No, that's not what I meant at all. I was just... I'm messing with you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You look pretty, too. Oh my gosh, opera glasses! So cute! Can I... Want to go in on a pair? You mean let's sit next to each other? Yeah. Parker, are you in position? No. Okay, no. Why the I didn't mean that. I, uh, uh, if you go ahead, I'll go grab us a pair. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm coming. I'm... Okay, so we sort of prefaced this earlier, and this is keeping in line with the Spider-Man rogues galleries. What's been rumored and what's been talked about for a long time is the possibilities of the Sinister Six. Literally, this hours before I came over this morning, that sort of broke that Matthew McConaughey was in discussion. That would be great. We don't know for what role, but the baddie, he clearly fits as Norman Osborn. That would be awesome. I agree with you. I he, agree with he you. He needs a win after Serenity. And if you've never seen... <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you've never seen Matthew McConaughey as the at-all-costs entrepreneur, this is going to freak some people out, but mm -hmm. go see Magic Mike. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding you. Like... I will own that I really like that film well, because Matthew McConaughey is such a it. bastard in that yeah. movie. He had a great run there. The second one sucks, but that first one is a really solid story, and it's why it didn't play as well with mm -hmm. the female audience. Because it wasn't what they thought. Because it ended up breaking out to be one fucking really great drama. Mm -hmm. So anyway. He had a great run there real quick. Like that, True Detective, Wolf of Wall Street, Dallas Buyers Club. Like, mm -hmm. damn. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Well, you forget... Um, What's the one where he's the guy on the riverboat? Uh, oh, Mud. Mud. Mud's good, too. Yeah. Okay. Flight qu or nightcap question. Your hopeful Sinister Six. Okay. It's supposedly been coming for 10 years. Exactly. We what might we might get, based on the money, we probably will get it at some point. Yeah. I'm going to just tell you right up front, I don't want a Green Goblin in my Sinister Six. Okay. That makes two of us. Instead, I want the the linchpin and the one kind of running the show to actually be Dr. Octopus. Yeah. He's just too iconic to not be involved. And then one that they haven't introduced in any film, and I think he presents a pretty interesting avenue, was the chameleon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just an interesting route to take. You know, the shapeshifter of sorts. Uh, obviously, the vulture, Michael Keaton, you're going to break him out of prison. I don't think Mysterio's dead, so no. I think he's in my lineup as well. And then I'm going to throw you for a curveball, and I don't think he's ever been a part of any of the lineup, but it presents an interesting citywide crime dynamic. I want the kingpin in my Sinister Six. And you and me are spending way too much time together, Okay, here's where we're probably going to differ. I have three potentials for my final slot. Uh, if we're going to do a goblin, I don't want a green goblin. Let's do a hobgoblin. Yeah. Ned. You've set up Ned Leeds, yep. obviously. Pay it off. Pay it off. He yeah. can be a part of that. It's good. Or maybe not. Maybe you want to go the route of the Spider Slayer. Maybe Alistair Smythe. Mm -hmm. And then you have like Tech element. an army element. Sure. Or if you still want that army element and then a female component, I'm going to give you Silver Sable. Silver Sable is a little lame in the comic books, but if you've played the Spider-Man PS4 game, she's actually pretty badass. Yeah. And I hate fighting her baddies in that thing because they're so freaking hard to defeat. Right. Then you have another kind of like an army element and like kind of a femme fatale-ish kind of entry. And none of those three have been done on film yet. I so, like your list. It's kind of interesting, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's some stuff we've seen before, but some stuff that's been established and some stuff that I kind of want to see. I love it. Okay. Good list. 
So I did two lists. I oh, cheated. Okay. So I did my personal preference on Sinister Six, and I thought what might actually be a possibility in the film franchise. Based on what's been set up. Okay, so let's do that the latter first. Okay. Okay, so the Likelies. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Vulture, obviously. Mm-hmm. The Scorpion, obviously. There's no way they spend a movie introducing Mysterio and don't use him. Yep. You have to have a leader, mm-hmm. Doc Ock. I think there's going to be some version of a symbiote in some form or some shape coming out. And then I'm also going to go with the other half. So which your, one? Who is it? Then? I don't know. I mean, it could be Venom, but well, like it's a symbiote. Okay. Okay. And I don't mean toxin. I mean like one of the either Carnage or Venom. Okay. I'm going to go with the other half of the movie that just got shit canned for your silver or sable. That's okay. silver and black, which is the black cat. Okay. I think what that offers is, and that obviously Doc Ock is sort of the mastermind to put it all together. Yeah. I think you create some very cool elements of conflict. Again, here's that word for me. Conflict with yep. Spider-Man. I think that's likely. No. Okay, man. You just you keep saying the word. Films in general, any film should have conflict. Because if it doesn't. Why the hell am I watching it? You know what movie will never be made? The movie about the kid that gets up early. He's well-rested. The birds are singing. It's sunny. He has a perfect breakfast. The parking spot he wants at school is there. His girlfriend treats him well. No, Matt. He gets an A on his test. We're never going to get that movie. No, Matt. you got to get me a carpet cleaner because I just vomited all over my carpet just now. It's Okay, so to the conflict thing, it's real simple for me. It's why we like Batman versus Superman. Mm -hmm. A big American flying flag is cool, Mm -hmm. but I want the little dude in the cave with the guy in the yellow hot pants. That is just reeking of more potential. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's my second list, and this is my personal. Okay. I like themes in my ensemble pieces. I like themes in everything. Yep. So here it is. My mastermind is Craven. Here's my first. Mm -hmm. And the five components are the lizard, the scorpion, the rhino, the vulture, and also the chameleon. Each one of them imbued with the animal traits that they've taken on. Mm-hmm. And he gets this team to hunt Spider-Man down through the asphalt jungle. That's awesome. That's what I actually want. Yeah, I would hope we'd get that. We we need Craven now. Got to happen. There was a rumor. Uh, again, it's kind of why I like Tom Holland, too. He's got some good ideas. He's actually said two stories that um, would you ever consider doing like a spider multiverse with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Then very PC said, he's like, that's not up to me, but if they were down, I would do it. Mm -hmm. That movie would be awesome. We would both be there like at midnight to see that one. Yeah. Um, But he's also said uh, if they did Craven, he'd want Jason Momoa. It's actually kind of pretty decent casting. To play Craven. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's great. But we need Craven. We need that element. The all almighty hunter hunting Spider-Man. Man's most dangerous game, hunting the spider. You and I both love that story, the most yep. dangerous game. And this <clears throat> is that, but Spider-Man version. And you, you bring Jameson into that as he's hiring? Like, it, there's so much to play with there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Jameson hiring Craven the hunter. Mm-hmm. And he brings along his team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We'll never get that, but I'd love it. I hope so. Don't give us just by the books cookie cutter superheroes. We want more than that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just the lesson at the end of the day. Well, excellent. Well, this has been a fun episode, and it's been fun to talk about Spider Man again. And you know, we got some great stuff coming up on the horizon. We got a brand new cast we're about to just open up, and we're going to be dabbling in a director who's. Very prolific in his own right. And Matt, we might even say he's maybe... We talked about Sp- 
Spielberg being the prolific filmmaker of the 80s, this director's got to be the filmmaker of the 90s. Fair. Steven Soderbergh. Steven. <laughs> we'll do him another day. That's a joke. But, man. Not do, really. David Fincher. <laughs> not him either. Huh. Who could it be? But, man, I don't know, Matt. Do you hear that? Across 110th Street of a hell of a test on tap for next week we have jackie brown from 1997 so this is going to be a film cast all about quentin tarantino and we're tackling what Matt and I call maybe one of the most underrated films of all time. Yeah. I think it's overshadowed by the brilliance of Pulp Fiction, and it's sandwiched in between that and the two-film opus of Kill Bill, and it just gets forgotten. But, oh my God, it's 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 a very—it's worth talking. I'll just say that right now. So we're going to actually cover some Tarantino films in lead-up to his film coming out at the end of the month, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, if you remember, in episode number one— we said, what are you most looking forward to in 2019? This is the what was the film I picked. Well, I hope yours plays better than mine did, because mine was Serenity. <laughs> oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Whoops, huh? Anytime we mention Serenity, I just have to giggle, because I can't just believe that's a movie. I know it. <laughs> but, yeah, let's hope that plays well. And in film, in week two, you're, the fans are going to have a chance to vote for two entries. I'm not going to say what they are, but you are going to get to pick. We played this uh, earlier in the superhero cast. It played very well. Um, pick which Tarantino film we're going to review that week. Yeah, it'll be fun. So, excellent. I'm, I'm excited to talk about the guy. Um, but cheers, Matt. Jesse. Cheers. I got to get going. I got to go uh, uh, fight some elementals. Maybe Sandman's in there? I don't know. He might be going to the beach. <laughs> this film should have been set on Miami Beach. That's what we said. Yes. Um, I got some red and blues in the dryer I got to pick up. I'm afraid they might have stained my white, so I got to get to that. Oh, my God. You're referencing a much better Spider-Man film. We'll see you next time, everybody. Everybody, have a good week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or leave us an email at rysmileproductions at gmail.com. Spider-Man Far From Home is property of Marvel Studios, Columbia Pictures, Pascal Pictures, and Sony Pictures Releasing, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. That's it? No caller ID? That's him. I don't really want to talk to Nick answer Fury. Phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. Well, why don't you want to talk to him? Because I'm scared. Just answer the phone. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? Yeah. You don't send Nick Fury to voicemail. Did you hear that? They're calling me. It's I gotta go. I you, gotta go. You gotta talk to him. I'm gonna call him. I promise you I'm gonna call him. I will. You do not ghost Nick Fury.